God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us, be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One more time. One more time. We all like second chances, don't we? I know I do. When I'm playing golf, I love a mulligan. I take one per hole. So there. (laughs) I get lots of second chances. I was playing a game with my daughter who loves to make up games and then arbitrarily change the rules at the same time. Um, We were in the pool, and she decided that we would play Name It, which is you're right on the edge of jumping off the diving board, and then she calls out something like color or favorite town or something like that. And so the first time we did it, I thought, well, this sounds easy. And so I ran to the diving board and was jumping off, and she called out city. And, uh, you know, you don't have to play Sudoku. You could do this to keep your brain sharp because I was thinking, um, I didn't know anything. I just went, ah, you know, I just screamed. (laughs) Nothing. And so she said, I'll tell you what, we won't count that against you. You can do that one over again. So I got a second chance. It felt good. We all love it. But we don't often give others a second chance in every way, do we? I mean, we do when it's our daughter or our son or when it's convenient for us. But we don't always, with everyone we meet, and we don't always with those in the world around us, do we? They say that the unemployment rate for the formerly incarcerated, so those who have been in prison, is five times higher than it is for others. I was watching an interview with Richard Branson, the billionaire who owns a hundred different companies under the title Virgin, you know, Virgin Atlantic Airlines and all of this. And um, he is one of a few employers, I mean, that have a systematic program of hiring um, those who have been in prison, those coming out of prison, a real in-depth program that works with them. There's 60,000 people all over the country that work for him, and a certain number of those have been in prison. And they said, why do you do this? You know, why do you have such a, a um, why are you bent on doing this and intentional about it? And he said, well, a lot of people don't know that when I was 19 years old, I served some time in prison. He said, I, w- I was lucky. I got another shot because my parents mortgaged their home to bail me out. He said, but if they had not done that and I had spent just a little bit more time in jail, the likelihood of me achieving what I achieved would have gone down significantly. Probably wouldn't have happened. Because everywhere I went, I would have been marked by that. Everywhere I went, people would be afraid to give me a second chance, and the deck in many ways would have been stacked against me. So I believe that it is my mission to give people a second chance. And I can tell you that if you've ever been an employer or worked in HR, the deck is stacked against second chances in a lot of ways um, for those who want to continue to punish. And it's not only those who have been in prison, right? I mean, we do it ourselves. Look at our political world. 
Not to get political, but let's get political. And I don't care whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. This is for everybody. We come up with ideas or decisions that we make, and not even in the world of politics. It can be in the world of gardening, for that matter, if you want to know the truth. And we have our ideas of the way it is and the way it should be and the way it's always been. And if you don't believe in that, then you're someone other. Right? We almost demonize someone who doesn't agree with us or doesn't have the same opinion as us. I mean, look at this world of second chances. All of those who, people running for office, I, I'm amazed that we'll drug out stuff that they did when they were 19 years old. They're 65 now. And I think at what time does the world take our foot off of their throat? I mean, at what time do we say, okay, I'm going to now let you up so that you can have um, a new life. You can embrace something else. I mean, I see people that are demonized in the press today, and I think we've written them off. We're in a world that literally wants to keep people down forever. And we all participate that in one way or another when we give in to the negative advertising or whatever else it is. Well, where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, you know, people don't change their... Zebra doesn't change its stripes. Well, I'm glad we didn't have social media when I was 19. Right? I mean, I don't know that I'd be standing in front of you today, frankly. We are spiraling toward a time where writing people off is the societal norm. And we don't just do it out of fear or self-preservation. We do it because it's becoming what is expected of us. And we don't just do it with other people. We do it with ourselves too. How can I move into tomorrow when what I have done is so bad? How can I embrace new life being the person that I am if they only knew? You know that voice in your head? Who do you think you are doing that? They know who you really are. That voice that wants to keep you down. That voice that wants to keep you from tomorrow and from new life. And it keeps us in many ways with our eyes looking over our shoulder at our past and failing to embrace the future that has been given to us. And our scripture today says something very important about the God that we worship. And says something very important to each and every one of us in this nave today about second chances. About the God and the character of the God that moves in our lives and that we profess with our lips and hopefully with our feet. So where are we? The conversion of St. Paul in Acts. And St. Paul, Saul, Paul, I'm going to call him Paul, okay? He's called Saul in today's, uh, in today's gospel before his name is changed. But um, So we have Paul. He was a murderous man. He would drag Christians out of their homes, right? He authorized the stoning of the disciple Stephen previously in the book of Acts. He murdered people for being followers of Jesus. And so now here he is on his way to Damascus. And if you're, I guess, looking at the Caravaggio painting, he fell off of his horse but it just simply says that he fell down with this light, this vision of Jesus and the voice of God coming to him. And then he's blinded. 
And then he goes back and they, God goes to Ananias and wants him to come and announce this mission to Paul that he's going to be a disciple for Christ. And even Ananias says, a zebra doesn't change his stripes. That's not in the gospel, but if that had been a cliche at the time or a saying, he would have said that probably. He'll probably try to kill me too. Do you know what he's done? Do you know his reputation? you know who this guy is? I don't want to go over there. You go over there. Surely he's not going to join our way. You've got to put a stop to this. But God says, no, go. Because you're going to hear me say this over and over again. God always through, enters through the back door of life, through the place that we least expect it, the place that we're not looking. And God comes and he takes Paul and he gives him a second chance. A second chance to be a living, loving child of a living, loving God. And he goes on to be Paul, one of the greatest of the apostles, the one we read all the time, the one we go to, talking about love, bringing people up, and to know the love of Jesus the Christ. And God doesn't condone what Paul did before, right? But he calls him into something new. And I think he was blinded. This isn't in Scripture, but I think he was blinded so that he couldn't look over his shoulder. Ah, what I did, God, you don't want me. Oh, yesterday, the day before, he was blinded so he had to hit the reset button so that when he opened his eyes, all he could see was tomorrow. All he could see was love. All he could see was Christ calling him into something new. In today's gospel, Jesus on the on the beach, they're out fishing, going back to their former life. And I'm, I'm bothered by this, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and claim it. I don't know why Peter was naked. That bothers me. You know, why don't you just put on some clothes, you know, if you're going to go fishing? We, on our Wednesday Bible study, we go around and we say what we believe. And somebody said, I believe that I would not ask Peter to go fishing with me. <laughs> anyway, maybe it's that he was totally exposed to Christ. Um, in a symbolic way. I mean, more than literally. Okay, we're, we're off of that now, right? Well, Peter jumps, falls over himself to get in the water to go to Jesus. Peter, the one that had denied him. Peter, the one that had denied him three times. The one that had betrayed his Lord and his Savior, his teacher, his rabbi. And now he's, oh, let me get to him first. I'm going to be the first one on the beach. And Jesus is feeding them as he always feeds them. And he comes to him and he says three times. You think that's a coincidence? Three times, once for each denial, once for each betrayal. He gives him another chance, another chance to say yes, another chance to embrace love. Peter, son of John, do you love me? I am not one of his disciples. Simon, son of John, do you love me? I am not one of his disciples. Simon, son of John, do you love me? I was not in the olive grove. Only this time when he opens his eyes, he doesn't see the darkness of betrayal and the death of his Lord and his Messiah. He opens his eyes to a new tomorrow, a new life, a second chance to go out and to tell others the love of Christ, the resurrection, the new life that we have there. Beware of the squirrel lady. When I was a kid, we avoided a street called North Monroe. 
it was a street that had a house that looked like the haunted mansion on, in Disney World. And we were convinced that a witch lived there because animals would kind of follow her in this way that wasn't natural. We didn't really know why. Squirrels would kind of like go right up behind her. And um, we had these visions of children suffering in her basement, and it had been handed down lore, you know, from one generation to another in the neighborhood. Don't go by that house because she might get you, right? There were ghouls and goblins in that home, and they were all in her service. And so one day, Brad Libby and I were going by her house, of course, on the other side of the street. And Brad said, I dare you to run up and touch her front porch. And I was clearly not in my right mind. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And I ran up there to touch her front porch. And then I heard her say something. I'm sure I thought it was a scream of some kind. It was probably, hello there. Um, and I, normally I would have run, and Brad Libby ran. He was nowhere to be found, you know, the deserter, the traitor. He was on down North Monroe, and I just stood there, frozen. And then I did hear this one word. She said, do you want some lemonade? And I, as a kid, I don't really care if there were goons and goblins in that home. I, if there was lemonade, I would probably go in. And so I did. We went to her back porch. And she fixed me some lemonade. And then I watched her feed squirrels from her shoulder. That's why animals followed her. And she told me how she got them to do it. And we began talking and we began visiting. And I began to go back over to her home to visit with her. And I began to take my other friends over to the home of the witch, right? And then everybody started visiting with her. And my mother told me when I was of an age to really understand that she loved those visits because her kids didn't live close by. I would have never known. But I was given a second chance in that moment, and so was she. But it's so hard, isn't it? I went to see the Avengers Endgame, and Thor's mother said something to him that I will always remember. She said, everyone fails at who they are supposed to be. But the measure of a person is being who they are. We are children of a living, loving God. And we are given one more time each and every day. And remember this. We worship a God of second chances. We worship a God of the impossible, not just the difficult but the impossible, and there's a big difference. God takes what seems impossible by the world's eyes, and he brings about new life. He has taken death during this season of Easter, and he brings about life, and he does it in our own lives. Let us live into resurrection this season of Easter. Let us live into resurrection today, this day. Let's make it a part of our lives here and now, because Jesus asks each and every one of us, do you love me? He asks us for every time of failure, every time of betrayal, every time that we have fallen short of the mark. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And yes, feed God's sheep in the way we think of it, of providing for those in need. But it is also feeding God's sheep in the way we live and the way we move in the world. Are you showing other people a second chance? 
really giving them a second chance? Those you know and those you don't know. Showing others what it means to be a child of God. Of what it means for you to get a second chance and giving them one. That is food as well. That is gospel food. That is breakfast on the beach for them. To know that and to see that through you and through me. And it involves a certain amount of pain. Because with life there comes sacrifice. Jesus shows us that as he takes on all of our sin on the cross. And we do the same when we reach out to those we don't necessarily want to reach out to. When we give someone time to hear their opinion that we really don't want to hear. When we hold our tongue, when we want to tear somebody's reputation down, but we don't, there's a pain inside. That's that sacrifice, but it leads to new life, and it leads to love. I saw a sign once that said, Spring is God's way of saying one more time. The life we have been given in Christ is God's way of saying one more time. One more time today. One more time tomorrow. One more time for the rest of your life, for every failure, so that you can live into love. The psalmist will have our last day today. Weeping may spend the night, but joy comes in the morning. You have turned my wailing into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Therefore, my heart sings to you without ceasing. O Lord, my God, I give you thanks. Thanks for one more time forever. Amen.